Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder. Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. And we're doing part two of the Speed Freak Killers. Amanda Howard, the Serial Killer Whisperer, is with us. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. 2021. (laughs) Yeah, I'm too scared to make plans because I had a a full um, whiteboard of plans for 2020 and none of them happened. So (laughs) I'm, I'm too scared to say... This is the good year. (laughs) Well, let's hope it is. Uh, We are recording this still in 2020, so we don't know what 2020... We do not know if 2021 has been filled with horrors or hope. (laughs) Let's hope it's hope. It can't be any worse than 2020. Hey, uh, we are doing the Speed Freak Killers. This is part two of the interviews. We are going to meet um, the accused killer who we haven't heard from so far. But So if you haven't listened to part one, don't listen to part one before you do this one, all right? Let's get into our news because it's taken 51 years, but finally the Zodiac Killer's 340 cipher has been cracked. The cipher was originally sent to the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969 and has left true crime fans baffled for decades. But now a programmer from Belgium, a mathematician from Australia and a cryptologist from the United States have solved the mystery. Now, Amanda, I remember you telling us how you and your daughter child <laughs> tried to solve this. What does it say? Okay, well, it's it's quite interesting. It says, um, I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I'm not afraid because I know that my new life is, life will be an easy one in paradise, death. Now, we were talking about this in our video group chat the mm-hmm. other day and there were some people saying that for the longest time they thought he had made it indecipherable that it was just gibberish, but obviously that turned out not to be the case. Yeah, so um, to, to simplify how they solved it, um, they, they split 340 in, into three sections. Um, the last section was only two lines and the other two, I think, were nine lines each. Um, and what they did then was basically it, it was a cipher that, that they used going diagonally. So it started in in the top corner and went down that way. So once they um, found a few words, I mean, I'm really, really simplifying this and it took mm-hmm. years and years and years to do this. Um, once they sort of started to, to find words, they learnt what their cipher, what their key for the cipher was. Now what happened then in the second section was that Zodiac had made an, a typo in it so um it it Ah. actually was 
on a diagonal and then halfway through the first diagonal, maybe the second diagonal, you had to go over one and continue down because he'd added an extra um, symbol f uh, further along in, in that line that sort of made it start going gibberish. So once I sort of skipped it over a bit, it, it actually worked well. So, um, yeah, my daughter and I have been working on this for years and years and years and there is um, This Is Life was something that we had actually found in, in one of our tests that we did. So... Not the way we're going, going to solve this, but um, and I also I, I also found other things that that have been disproven. Like I found San Francisco in one point as well because we tried all different ciphers and just it was just a fun thing to do as you do with your daughter. You go and play um, games <laughs> of solving serial killer murders. So um, but anyway, it, I'm just fascinated that they've done it, but of course it gives us nothing. So which is really really frustrating that there's no hints in that except that he does say that he he wasn't the guy who rung in and spoken to Melvin Bellai, which we actually played that tape when we did mm. um, one of the previous episodes, I think, on the non And didn't you calls. say you didn't think it was him? Oh, yeah. Everyone knew it wasn't because the people that had survived and the woman who spoke to him on a 911 call said, no, 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 that voice is totally wrong. So mm. it, it, it was decided to, to be a hoax. But even if it wasn't a hoax, um, the way they interviewed him was quite poorly anyway. So, you know, they, they didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, that's right. Um You've got to hand it to him. He came up with a code that took 51 years to decipher. That's pretty yeah. impressive. And there's still one more to go. So um, there is the my name is with the 13 cipher. So there's still one more, but the, because it's not a diagonal thing, it's one straight line, the diagonal cipher code uh, And sorry, work. is this where he reveals his name? Is Apparently, yes, it's my name is and there's 13 symbols. So... Wow. But that will be the hardest to do and considering that this cipher that took um, such a long time to, to decipher, that one may never be done. But we can be hopeful, um, but they also might now have more evidence because though um, the FBI has sort of come out and said, yes, we believe that this is, is the answer, they're not saying anything else. So we don't know if that was enough. We don't know if if they gave us some bullshit lines and that there's actually something more, more telling that we're not allowed to know because they're chasing him or, you know, their DNA with the genealogy DNA that they um, decided to do on him after the Golden State Killer was caught the same way. So we don't know what could happen, but I um, could rave on this for like a full season, which we will. Um, but for now, yes. So it's interesting right. to see that we're one step closer. Yes, that for another time, but we'll move on. And a Chinese woman who allegedly killed seven people, including a little girl, and then spent 20 years on the run, has finally faced court. Lao Rongjai tearfully apologised to the families of the victims, offering what little money she had in her bank account as compensation, according to Yahoo News. The 46-year-old claimed she didn't mean to hurt anyone, but was trapped in an abusive relationship with her then-boyfriend, who forced her into the crimes. This is an interesting defence to me, Amanda. Well, we've seen it before with um, Carla Hamolka and Paul Bernardo. The, um, the battered woman defence is something that has, has been used before and so there is no precedence for it because it's been set. So um, the fact that she's saying that her abusive husband is the reason that she's done this, um, well, her, her abusive boyfriend, um, it's it's something that may work. So we, we, we'll have to see because purely... Um, the fact that she has killed seven people, and including a child, and now she's saying that she's had several um, terminations of pregnancies with him and all this sort of stuff, it sort of tells us that um, there is a history there and she may get off. Yeah, there's something not quite right, um, that's for sure. So it'll be interesting to follow that one. 
In the meantime, we have a psychological profile to continue on the Speed Freak Killers, and there is a lot to get through. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't forget, our Patreon page is still active, and our secret Patreon group on Facebook, where once you subscribe for $10 or more, you can have access to the Serial Killer Whisperer pretty much daily, if not multiple times a day. (laughs) She's on there talking and conversing, answering questions, Amanda is your go-to resource on the internet and she's available for just $10 a month. (laughs) To get access to her and all that is contained in her brain, and believe me, that's a worry, just go to (laughs) patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. That's patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And Robin Robbo. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 Minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's Known as the Speed Freak Killers, Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog were a dangerous combination. The men had grown up as friends from an early age and began with bullying and harassment of others before moving on to more serious crimes. Between the two of them, they were convicted in 2001 in the deaths of four people, though police estimate they may have killed more than 70 people between 1984 and 1999. The police tapes we're looking at at the moment are to do with the killing of Chevy Wheeler. Now, look, we have another seven-minute gap from where we last left off. So there's a seven-minute gap in this tape, and again, they talk about the pair's relationship, the pair being Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog. This is the interview with Herzog. Had Wes not wanted to involve his old-time friend Lauren in this, no, he, he would have just said, you know what, I uh, went over to a friend's house in East Stockton, and when I was on my way home back through Linden, I noticed my old buddy Lauren working you know, on his he bike. He bad because Lauren wanted to go this way, and he wasn't going that way. He wanted to keep going that way. That's why he wants Lauren to He pulled Lauren me right back in. in. Now, this next part is interesting because, strangely, with the next cut, it's an hour has passed. The camera has moved and the entire room can be seen. In the room now is Detective Sheffield with Herzog, but now Herzog's father is also in the room. He's an older man in overalls and a plaid shirt. His back is to the camera, and during the recording, the camera goes in closer and Lauren's anger continues to rise. We've talked to Lauren today and it's... Wes basically is saying that Lauren was with him from the time the bar closed until they were seen together by all kinds of people the next day. 
So West Sherman Tyne is saying that Lauren Herzog and Amy. Not West in this. No, I'm just mentioning to I'm, you the three people that said that. Uh -huh. I'm just telling you that this is if it's, we're up to West. This is what West is saying that he and Lauren are together. My investigation has shown that what Lauren says is true, that they were not together the entire time, that there is a small period of time there, that there are two other people who cooperate Lauren's statement that he was working on his bike for at least part of that time. But by Lauren's own words, the remainder of the morning from the time that they, they do hook up again together, they are together. Now, whether or not Lauren is together with Wes and what happened to that young woman still remains to be seen, and we don't know at this point. But by their own words, Except they I are together. Times. And what Lauren also told us today, because we asked him, is, does Wes have something over you? And Lauren says that he does. And we've encouraged him to share that with you, even though he is not choosing to, to share that with us. Okay, so we're getting a lot of short pieces, and what we're getting is they're broken up and we're hearing a lot of the police. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's quite unusual that, um, you know, there's nothing that we hear from Herzog or his father right now because when they go to speak, the tape cuts and jumps. So, you know, they're, they're leaving out parts of this interview that could be very telling, and we don't know why, you know, except that we know that Herzog was later exonerated in these cases. Uh, are they just trying to only contain the pertinent bits? Well, we can go and look at the Menendez tape, and we have about 90 to 100 hours. Mm. You know, this one, we're getting tapes that are seven minutes long, and in that seven minutes, it's actually going for one to two hours. It's just these tiny, tiny snippets of inf information. And I don't know if they've put it out there to say, see, we weren't hurting them, but it's what we're not seeing and what we're not hearing. That's the most important part of this. You know, and they're going over the same stories over and over again, and Herzog is pissed off again, you know, and, you know, he, he just saying, well... What else are you expecting me to say? I'm saying no. We've gone over this now. Now you've brought my dad here. Nothing. But that they were just explaining to the dad where they are in the conversation, hoping for him to get information yeah. from his son, aren't they? Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, there's a gap of six minutes uh, that is then preceded by more questions from the detective to both Lauren and his father. And, and I told you all I'd be the first one to give him up if I find out he's involved in this. Okay. But like I said, I well, put my life on the line right now. I'm not, he's not. I'm not particularly saying this particular incident. They're talking about he's been childhood friends with Wes, and there's a lot of stuff that kids get into, and whether that's somewhere in the past, something happened, and he's holding that over you. I think the kids stuff went out a long time ago. It's okay, grown well, up stuff now, and we haven't. We don't see Wes that much. Okay. He'll be. He'll disappear for six months or more, and then he'll. Right. He'll stop by and cause you, all kinds of trouble. Lauren, you need to tell your dad about Chevelle Wheeler because at some point, it's going to be out there. You need to tell him what's going to happen about Chevelle Wheeler. So, again, the recording stops without the information about one of the cases that Sherman Tyne was involved in. Well, yeah, um, what's happened is that, you know, we get the tape saying you need to tell your dad about Chevy Wheeler, which is a case that was only Sherman Tyne 
that we know of because literally she had told people that she was going away on a holiday with mm. Shemantine. So, so so we know that we have that. But, again, the, the tape stops before Herzog gets to talk. So it's really odd that they're saying to her, the dad, oh, we want your son to tell you about a case that he's, he's not involved in. It's just so odd. Mm. Maybe they're going somewhere that we just don't know about. Mm -hmm. But we now skip to a month later on March 17. Herzog again is being interviewed, this time by Detective Joe Herrera, and things are a lot more serious this time. There's a lot of things in this investigation that we have come to understand through statements and through physical evidence that we feel that there's more than sufficient enough cause to be able to arrest you, and we could arrest you right now. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. That's uh, not a pretend statement. That's not a phony statement. The thing is, is, is that the district attorney has asked us to go ahead and, and and wait until all the results of the blood that was recovered in West Shermantine's car to be totally analyzed, and we're abiding by that at this point in time because it was recommended. Okay. Cindy's been missing for, Cindy Vanderheide has been missing for quite for quite some time. And you've spoken with Detective Shuffle, you've spoken with a few other people, and have provided several different statements. Some of which we know to be true, and some of it we know not to be true. So they have the evidence to arrest him, but they've been advised to wait for the evidence. Uh, I'm a little confused on that. <laughs> Are they waiting for more evidence or what? No, they're saying that they have the evidence, but they're just going to wait for it to be positive. You know, like it's just, um, it's it's trying to put a fear into Herzog. You know, they know mm. they don't have enough to hold him. They only have what Shermantine's told them. And so, you know, they still don't believe 100% of what he said. So they're going to wait for the physical evidence, but they still haven't found a body. And they're trying to bluff, basically. They, they want him, him to say, oh, my God, you know, you're here to arrest me, but you're not. It's mm. just, it's, I don't know, it's just shit. Well, Herrera then returns to the murder of Cindy Vanderheiden, and this time Herzog is speaking. She kind of went back to go back to her car. She said that several times, you know. Well, wasn't going that way. I'm still on the back seat to say something with him to the rope going. This isn't good. Well, he started telling her to do stuff, you know. And and it's kind of a back and forth argument, same thing. And I mean, do stuff as in uh, sexual acts, I guess that's what you call it. And he's just getting wilder and wilder and wound up more and more. And I told him at one point, West, don't kill her, man. Take her back to her car. So he just confessed to watching Shermantine get wilder in sex acts with Cindy and he claims he was scared he was going to kill her. Yeah, so um, this is now, he's now actually admitting to be an accessory to the murder but not the killer, you know. He, he claims that he was bouncing a ball Is he the though or is he just a, 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 um, admitting that he watched them have sex? Well, it, what he's trying to do is is create a, a scenario where he is passively involved. So, you right. know, that I'm there but, you know, I was a bit vacant, Joe, in this time, you know, I was drunk and all of this sort of stuff. So I really don't know but I guess this is what he was going to do because... 
because, you know, that they started off with normal sex and just got kinkier and wilder and, you know, choking and things like this. And so he's he's trying to say that he was torn, would he or wouldn't he, you know, but I was just trying to not be involved and just sort of pretend I wasn't seeing what was going on. Okay. Well, Herzog continues his confession with another three-minute gap in the tape. I started back now. He turned and looked at me one time and I was gone. I didn't know what to do. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to explain. I don't want to remember, you know what I mean? scenario that you just told us, is that the truth? Is that yeah. Is that what actually happened? Yeah. That's what happened. Because I know you've told some that's, different stories in the past. Yeah, that's what happened. And you saw him kill her, is that correct? Yeah, I didn't just, I, I watched and I wasn't watching and I watched again and I was like, Wow. Now, we just played that one piece, but that was four different pieces put together, often with minutes worth of gaps in between. When you hear that noise, it was Herzog beginning to rock. His voice was low and almost incoherent. Amanda, it really seems like they've worn him down. Of course they have. I mean, they've done so many interviews with him and, you know, they're basically playing the long game and he has tried. But that smart guy that we had in, in, in the last interview where he's cracking jokes and telling them to, to, you know, be more positive and stuff like that is gone. You know, this is a different guy now and he's um, unshaven. He's throwing his arms around again. He's definitely under the influence of something um, and he's slurring and he's morose and subdued. He's, he's done. He's exhausted by it all. Isn't that a good result? He's giving the confession. Yeah, except that that is so broken up in in that. It sounds like this great, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, but we don't know what is being said to him between these gaps and that's the concern. Mm. All right. 
The officers attempt to clarify, but Herzog, he's now just mumbling. When you first met Cindy, did you plan on kill, killing her or oh, having her no. killed or playing any part in her being killed? No way. You did not? Okay. No way. That's part of the truth, okay? You had no knowledge of what was going to happen, or did you? No. Okay. And even if you did, and if it's too late or too far into it, if you did not actively participate, as you described earlier, then it's still the truth and the same story. If something happened and it's out of your control, then it's out of your control. He really seems incoherent to me. He is, you know, and, and these interviews are the ones where they get the most information from him, like we're seeing when he's saying things. But, you know, I'm sure it's actually illegal to interview someone in that state. He's not sober. He is not... Um, in his, his right right mind. But, you know, they are interviewing him like this and we know it ends badly for them for doing so. So, mm. I mean, really, they should have stopped it then and there. Well, he continues to be so out of it and the officer asks about control. Did he say anything to you? Yeah, a couple times. And what was that? So he's putting it all on Sherman time. Yeah, of course he does, you know, and he knows to not confess. You know, Shermantine's already in custody. So he is trying to be, oh, I was accidentally in the wrong place at the wrong time, basically, mm. and that he didn't think it was going to happen, that Shermantine just did this and it was totally unexpected. Well, the officer tries a different tactic, but Herzog knows the answer to give. Have you ever tried to fight him yourself? Yeah, I was in kindergarten. And, but how about now? Do you think you could take him? No. That's my problem, I guess, because I don't think I can take him. Okay. Now, it's interesting if the officer actually thought Herzog would say, yeah, I could beat his ass, but I'll let him kill Cindy anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a dumb question, you know, but again, it's just a tiny snippet of what but we're given to work with. Y y is it, though? Like, upon reflection, I sit there and think, well, you've got to throw things out there. Oh, you Not do. every ball's going to hit, right? Yeah, but... Um, if he said, yeah, I could have beat him, you know, I've, I've smacked him down a, a hundred times, the fact that his mate still killed someone, you like, it's not going to be the response. Like, what they could get as a response from him, whether he said, yes, I could or no, I couldn't, it's not going to prove anything further on. You know, all mm -hmm. it basically does is say, well, if Shermantine could kick your ass and you're taller than him, though you're really skinny. Um, you know, it's not going to stop someone from killing if that's what they want to do. It's a different persona. It's a different person sure. that that can do that to, to someone that can beat your ass. Yeah, okay. Well, another 25 minutes has skipped and now Herzog has removed his hat and jacket as the interview now continues about Cindy's murder. She tried to bargain with him, more or less. Kind of a, you know, please let me go, and then, you know, I don't know if it was trying to talk, but maybe she just had calmed down and tried to talk to him. I don't know if she was trying to calm him down or not. 
What was his reaction? Was I guess it wasn't the trying to calm him down. It was, and then she was, and then she started screaming again. She was talking calm though for a minute. Then she started screaming again. When he said, "So what's the story?" What did you tell him? I I don't think I gave him a reply. I don't remember giving him a reply. When he asked you, or he told you, "I'm not going going to prison." Did he just say that, or did you ask him, well, why, why'd you kill her? I guess he did. I didn't ask him that. I, he said it. He just said it. I'm not going to prison. Little told on me. Look, there was another time skip in there, but we've kept it going for the conversation, Amanda. I've got to say, Herzog, he really does seem browbeaten now. Yeah, he does. I mean, and he's actually sweating. So he's actually getting quite, quite hot un- under the collar, you know. And he doesn't have answers for some of these and he's still under the influence, but he's a bit more coherent that, that he was before. You know, but now he actually tries to choose his words carefully because they asked him, did Sherbentine say, oh, I killed her? And he went to answer and then stopped himself and there was actually about a five-second gap in there before he he decided to reword his answer. So he was about to give up something and he didn't, but, you know, then it sort of cuts out and so we don't know if they sort of press that point a bit more. You know what I love about you? You are the serial killer whisperer but you're still down to earth. He was sweating. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was hoping you didn't realise that I did that. I, I fell into my local dialect for a moment there. <laughs> Damn. He was sweating his chops off. I uh, was, yeah. <laughs> Look, Herrera then clarifies what Herzog has said. He wants to find Cindy's body. Again, there are several cuts in this piece, but we're just letting it play through now. What you described as a very horrendous nightmare in a lot of ways that you have lived through and saw and been experiencing ever since then. Okay, I understand that. Given the set of circumstances that happened and the fact that you and Wes have been friends for years, although you have not been seeing him lately because of just the way things are, but you guys did grow up together for quite a few years, okay? Uh, You described him taking her out there against her will with her saying, take me back, him grabbing by the hair, forcing himself, raping her, and basically killing her, okay? His intention, it sounds to me, was to rape her and to kill her so that she wouldn't tell on him. Basically what you described. Do you know where Cindy is? No, sir. Do you have any idea? I'm trying to come up with it. I can't. I don't you know. grew up with him. You've been hunting up there. You've been archery hunted. You've been on foot all around there. There's some, there's some places that you and Lauren know more than anybody in this whole world. You, you and Wes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at you and I'm saying your name. There's some places that you guys know, and I know. I, I, I'm, I'm a hunter. I, I've been places where I say there's no way nobody's set foot in this spot right here. 
You can be the hero here. No, I wish that. Give kids. I know that. I know that. But what I'd like to do. close enough to where I could know that. Not for a long time. What I'm saying is there's some places that you and him have been hunting, hiking, and just fooling around. You know, really hunting for so long. I don't know. Since all of this has happened, he has not indicated to you anything that would tell us where he placed that body. I thought he would. He didn't. Why wouldn't he? You saw everything. You know how crucial this is? I know it. I know it. I wish I knew. Because if I knew, I wish I knew. Yeah, I know, Mark. If I knew, man, we would be f***ing we'd be going. I thought it might have been on the property, but I guess that's been searched, right? I mean, but there's, I know there's mines and stuff there, and I don't know where they're at. I know I've, you know, heard of them. I mean, if I knew where there's certain mine shafts or whatever on, on that property, I'd take it, right? But you never really showed me that. I mean, I'm trying, trying to think of something. Did Wes threaten you? Um, did, did he threaten you? Did he threaten me? No. Why did you lie before? Scared. I'm scared. Scared of what? Well, a few things. What are those things, Mark? He's very keen to lay all of the blame on Sherman Tyne's lap. Yeah, he is. And though the officers have got more information from Herzog, they really haven't made it far in the investigation. Like, they still don't have Cindy. They still only sort of have all, all these snippets of information. Now, there's really been nothing new that they didn't already know or at least suspect, you know. And this is the fourth interview that we know of that they've done with mm. Herzog. And really, it's, it, it really isn't going far enough. I mean, yes, he's now talking about the killings. He's now putting it on Sherman time, but they already knew this. So, you know, it's just these gaps that are in there is just terrifying to think what's happening in the parts we don't get to see. Mm. Well, the recording becomes peppered, single questions and answers with several cuts throughout. Did he tell you how he killed Sherry Wood? No. He just said he killed her? Um, yeah. Why would he tell you? I don't know why. I guess because they, they, you know, asked me a lot of stuff, and I didn't know. I guess he just had to tell me because I didn't know. Did you have anything to do with him, with her? No, no. You didn't help him like you did with Cindy. No. Did he told you he's killed anybody else? No. No. Excuse me. Not, not named in particular. 
shooting told me one time he killed 24 people or something. I don't think you want to go there, Lauren. I don't, I really, I really, and I understand why. But I think you have knowledge of some other homicides that he's done. And at some point in time, maybe not right now, you know, and I'm not going to push you, okay? It may be very advantageous for you to spend a couple of hours out of your life to make sure that the truth comes out. inside of this guy. I probably one of the only people that really knows. That's why I told you, you know, when I told you, I just wanted you to just, you know, stopping myself, you know. Wes is making comments about you. Yeah. Things such as, you know, hey, Lauren and I, have hunted just about everything, including the ultimate game. You know what that ultimate game is. There is no ultimate game for him. He's implicating you. What I foresee here is that when we haul Wes in here, he's going to pin it on you. No matter what, he's holding over your head, it's going to come out. So hang on, they said when we haul Wes in here, he's going to pin it on Herzog. So do they actually have anything here? Well, it doesn't seem so. You know, like we've heard multiple times that they've said that they've arrested him and they've interviewed him and they're just waiting for Herzog to um, corroborate what they've already been told from um, Sherman Time. But it just doesn't seem to have been that way. You know, And we're actually still waiting for the interview where we actually get to hear Sherman Time speak. Well, wait no longer, Amanda, because we now have the interview with Sherman Tyne. Now, again, this is only a small snippet of his interviews, and we only get one with, again, multiple cuts. This is on March 18, the day after the interview we just played with Herzog. Again, it's a close-up shot of the man with officers. They're out of view. He's in the same seat Herzog was in the day before. You tell me, what are the possibilities of Cindy's blood being in your trunk? I don't know that it is Cindy's blood. We're telling you, it's 169 million to one. And I don't know how it got in there. Okay. It's your car. Yes, it is. Short clip, but some pretty long pauses in there. There is, and unlike Herzog, um, Shemitain is actually quite calm and collected and well-spoken. Um, we're seeing none of those big movements that we had from Herzog. He's not under the influence of anything. He's sitting quite calmly as if he was talking about the weather. There, there mm. is, it's chalk and cheese. Well, the interview continues again after a cut. You have to make a decision in your own head to decide whether or not you really want to come forth with whatever happened 
if you're not responsible. If you're responsible, you know what? You know, there's not, there's, you know what I'm saying? If, if I had something to do with Cindy's disappearance, I would have been gone a long time ago. Are you afraid of anybody out there, somebody threatening you? No. That's interesting. They're using the same technique they used on Herzog, the are you being threatened line. Yeah, because they know they have their killer, but they don't know who's involved. And as we said before, uh, the first person who talks gets the best deal, you know, and they're basically clutching at straws because they're pretty certain that both of them were involved, but who was the actual killer, you know, because you can't go forward with a case unless you have the cold hard evidence. Now, the fact that her blood is in his car in his truck, it doesn't necessarily mean he killed her. Um, Herzog could be the killer or someone else because there were other witnesses involved. And so that they're sort of throwing out this evidence saying this is what we've got. It's definitely her blood, whatever it was, 167 million to one of it being someone else, you know. So um, that they're starting to get these pieces of information, but unless one of these guys literally talks and gives evidence because he can say, yeah, um, Herzog did it. But that's not enough. That's that's mm. not a confession. That's putting blame on someone else, but there's no evidence to back that up. So mm. they're, they're just trying to get someone to talk and they'll do that through, you know, the best deal. Were you under um, any sort of duress for, for doing this? You know, did he say, if you don't kill her, I'll kill you? So they're just trying to, to go through all those parts of the story. Well, again, with multiple cuts in the interview, Sherman Tyne gives his story of what he did the night of Cindy's disappearance. So let's go back that night. What happened? I stopped by Lauren's house. And as Ole said, he went to town. She called the bar. Uh, they said he wasn't there. She called again. They said he wasn't there. She called back, get the phone to me, and he got on the phone. He told me he was over there drinking, shooting pool. Come on over. So I went over there. Cindy and uh, the one guy came in around uh, 12.30, maybe 12. And uh, they sat in the middle ways of the bar. Fred was still there because me and him was talking. Lauren was sitting behind us at a table. He went over and uh, shot full with uh, a guy, whatever his name is, her boyfriend, and uh, talked to her. Then uh, Fred left. I was seeing karaoke with uh, Pam. And then Cindy and him left. And the karaoke, well, karaoke wrapped up, Cindy and him left. I told Tex Sheffield, I don't know what they left in, what they were driving or anything. And Lauren and Pam were standing outside the bar there when they uh, walked out together home. They left, Lauren came back in, and Pam. Then we had a couple more drinks and just getting close to closing time there. We closed down the bar and we left. Then, I got my car, turned around because my park was headed towards Stockton because I came down Flood Road. I turned around, started to head back up to the hills because that's where I was headed. And uh, me and Lauren already talked about me staying the night at his house, you know, because he'd been drinking so much. So 
I had to turn around and go back down flood. Want to start down the road, see his bike didn't start because the light didn't come on. Now it's no further than, oh, maybe the church right there. It's on the left-hand side. By the orange house? No, no, the church on uh, from where the bar was. Oh, all right. I turned around, went back. Pam was out there trying to help him push start his bike. She went back in the bar. I helped him try to push start it, and there would start. We pushed it over. Well, he pushed it over behind the pizza parlor and left it over there at the Quonset Hut. I gave him right home. Get to Lauren's house, and what do you do at Lauren's house? We go into the garage, well, this side door of the house, and there, and I crash out on the floor, right there. You gotta say, Shermantine seems totally different to Herzog. Um, yeah, and what we're hearing now is what we hear from a lot of the killers that we've heard on on our podcast, and that is that there's no embellishment, there's no emotion. You know, he's just going through what happened that night. Of course, it's all a load of shit, but he's just saying that this is what he did, and you know, um, Cindy was there with the boyfriend, all of that stuff. And it's obvious that the police knew that he was going to be the harder one to talk, and that's why they've leaned on Herzog so much because they were hoping to get the information that he could then pin on Sherman time. But he wasn't a great witness and being high or drunk or whatever he was, it was going to prove to be quite difficult anyway. Yeah. Well, let's continue. Earlier you mentioned Lauren. Lauren might be responsible for Cindy's blood in your trunk. I didn't say that. Okay. I don't know. I thought that's where you were going. I can't blame no one because I don't know. Is there somebody else involved that night? The fact is, Wes. I wish I'd never stopped that bar that night. Well, you're not the only one. So do we. We'll be here right now. I'm sure. Everybody else. The scenario is this. Cindy's blood is in the back of your car. No question about it. It's proven scientifically. Now, again, they're asking about the blood in his truck, but the tape doesn't wait for an answer. I know, it's so frustrating. As I, I warned you when we started yeah, this did, one that we're did, going to be frustrated by this. It's almost as bad as the tapes where the officers just continue to talk and we never get a chance to hear from the killers. At least we hear a little bit here. Um, so I just I don't understand why they release just the parts of them asking the questions and not letting him answer, you know, and I'm still try- trying to dig out the reason why. But, um, you know, they, they tried to get Sherman Tyne to say something by saying, did someone else put the blood in, in your car? Because if he knows if someone else did, then they know that he knows who killed her. So, but he's very clever to not answer these questions. But then they cut it off when he may have been about to answer. Well, they now try something, another thing they tried with Herzog. First degree murder is 25 years to life or can be. Second degree murder, 15 years to life. Being an accessory or uh, withholding information in regards to a murder, straight up, and assisting someone in some way or another after the fact, something like three to five years. Big difference. 
straight up, the question is, where do you fall? If Lauren is responsible and you're just trying to help your childhood buddy, trying to protect him, if that's what you're doing, and you, if you want to, you want to go down the boat. I'm not trying to help him. Has he threatened you in the past? Lauren threatened a lot of people. Well, has he threatened you? Yeah, he's pulled a gun on me before, too. If there's something that happened that night, you have to tell us now. It's as simple as that. We can't make it any simpler for you. If you lied in the past, I don't care about the lies. I want the truth of what happened that night. There's blood in your car. There's a simple explanation. He knows it. I know it. It's there. Take the opportunity. Now, look, the fact is this didn't work. And again, they cut it before he answers most of the time. Now, Amanda, he said something important at the end there, though. Now we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. This is the first time one of them has said this. And he said, I want my lawyer present. We've never heard that. I know. Can you believe that? And that's how they get their confessions is because they keep going and going and going and it, it, it wears down people's resolve. But it's about bloody time. We finally had someone say, I want my lawyer present. And so this is how an interview should go. He doesn't want to answer and this is the right answer to give. They're told, you know, do not give up your rights. Um, you have the right to remain silent. You should. You have the right to an attorney. If you can afford, if you cannot afford one, one will be assigned to you. All of this, this is like Law 101. And this, granted, there's a, a lot of cuts in this tape, but Sherman Tyne has basically said nothing. He's sort of said, oh, yeah. Herzog's pulled a gun on me and everything. But when they get to the hard questions, he says the right answer. I want my lawyer. Well, it's interesting because now we finally heard those words. Let's see what happens next. It's 0831, and you, you said you wanted a lawyer present? Mm -hmm. Okay. I tried. I really tried to. Okay. And um, it won't be long before uh, things will come to light in regards to what information and evidence we have. Was that a threat? Yeah, well, kind of. You know, the officer told him, you know, he can have his lawyer, but he's still going to get the evidence in, in the end, you know, and basically he's sort of saying, oh, well, you've just lost, buddy, because that was a dumb thing to do, but it's not. That's the smart thing to do. But they know now that they cannot talk to him at all without a lawyer being present. So whatever they've done to Herzog, who never asked for a lawyer, they can't do to Shermantine. And, and it's just amazing that we finally, after two and a half years doing this, we've had a lawyer, uh, we've had a, 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 a prisoner ask for a lawyer. And, you know, 
as you can see, it does stop. But you know, he's the the officer's pissed. Well, look, the officers go back to Herzog the next day, and he isn't looking too well. Actually, he's now in red prison scrubs. His hair is a mess. He is alone when the tape starts. Then his wife Christina, nicknamed Sugar comes in and hugs him. Again, the tape is cut into various segments, but we'll play it through in its entirety. I didn't know for sure if you'd want me. Yeah, I want to see you. I know you do, but I'm... I, want I didn't care about it. I don't... I, I don't want to see you like this either, but, you know, I, don't, I know you told me that I'm like the DH that told you guys that you had to, uh, you had to be arrested, book charged of a murder. I said, but, everything. Wes is the one that did it. Lord did not do it. I said, why is the DA's office, you know, charging him with murder? He said that. He, he said that's out of his hands too. That's completely the DA's office doing. And he said that. And I said, well, Monday on the ring. I said, is the judge or the DA are they going to change that murder, drop that? You know, yeah. what's what's going on? You know? And he said that is completely. Up to the DA's office well, I don't know. I like negotiate the... negotiations between the DA's office and your lawyer. I don't have one. I'm working on it. I thought they were supposed to give me a public defender. I've been talking to him about that too before. Okay. Did, did you tell him yesterday? I don't know, sir. I don't know. I know. See, you have about 10 more right there. They're all of a His emotions were really all over the place there. Yeah, they were. And, um, you know, though that recording went for about three minutes for our time, that was actually over an hour. So that, that proves how much these things are cut down. And, you know, he's upset, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's tired, he's exhausted. His wife's trying, trying to get him a lawyer, but at this point he doesn't have one, so he really shouldn't be talking to people. He should have just asked for a lawyer and shut up, but he didn't. Um, and he's, he's exhausted because they have just been going at him again and again and again. 
Well, what will happen next? Well, we're going to find out next week as the Speed Freak Killers continues. There's quite a bit of interesting audio to come and we will get to the resolution and bring you an update on where this case is at. Amanda, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions and throw a few shackles our way. We'll see you soon. (laughs) Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.